everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and uh, coming at you from a, a rainy day here in California, which is fitting because this episode might be a little bit of a slog, very heavy stuff, but we're going to try our best. Today, of course, we're talking about The Crown, Season 5, Episode 6, Epatiev House, and joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts. First, a man on the hunt for a decorative parrot to wear on fancy occasions. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what does wearing a parrot say about a person? Uh, we certainly don't find out in this episode. We're, <laughs> we're displayed a carrot, but or, we are we're displayed a parrot, but there is no commentary as to its purpose. And we've seen King George in several other things. Has he ever had a parrot, or is this brand new? This is brand new. This is breaking news. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. And yeah, no explanation, and I fully don't expect to ever get one. And because of the nature of this podcast, we're never going to look it up, so we will never, we will truly never know. Um, also back with us today, a woman who is learning Russian purely so that she can insult people when they're posing for photos. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, do you start with syntax, or do you just dive straight into curse words? I guess it depends on your uh, how much time you have. So if you have a very limited time frame, like, you know, say an hour before your engagement that you want to speak Russian out, I'd say just go for the swear words. Fair enough. Um, as always, if you're joining us for the first time, you should know that we are not by any means royal family experts. We're not historians. We don't know what we're talking about. We are three Americans who are watching The Crown and uh, just trying to learn. So, yeah, I think with that, Carlin... Could you give us a quick recap of what we saw in Apatiev House? Yeah, so we're sort of playing off of two timelines here. We're starting off in the 1910s, I believe, as King George, I think he's the fifth, not exactly sure, Bertie's father, um, gets news that the Russian Revolution is upon Russia, and his cousins are Nicholas, and his family are at serious risk and are in need of refuge in order to get, they need to get out of Russia. But ultimately, um, Queen Mary advises George not to get the family out, only for them to, of course, we all know the story, murdered in a basement by the Bolsheviks. Um, and then in the 90s, in our more current timeline, Elizabeth welcomes Russian President Yeltsin, who is the first president of a newly democratic Russia. And among the things that come up is the fact that the bodies of the, supposedly the bodies of the Romanovs are being excavated and they want to have a proper funeral, but they need to get confirmation that these are in fact the Romanov remains and not someone else. In order to do that, they're using the new technology of DNA. And they ask Philip, who apparently is a, a relative, I guess Elizabeth and Philip are both relatives of the Russian family, um, to give his DNA. And he becomes sort of obsessed with the science of it. And he thinks it's, he's very enthused about this. Elizabeth doesn't quite give him the you know intellectual playback that he wants. So he sort of shares this love with Penny, who has returned. And so basically, the royal couple get invited to Russia to sort of see the country and take part in what they hope to be a funeral for the Romanovs. And ultimately, this leads to a big fight between Philip and Elizabeth, who it comes up about the Penny relationship and Philip's feelings that he and Elizabeth have nothing in common. And Philip ultimately asks Elizabeth to be seen with Penny in order to legitimize his, her and Philip's friendship and sort of squash any cheating rumors. And Elizabeth ultimately agrees to this. And so while Doing one of her first little outings with Penny, they end up discussing the Romanovs, and Penny spent a lot of time reading books and, you know, getting really deep into the theories about all this, and she thinks that Mary and Tsar Nicholas's wife, whose name I cannot remember, um, that they had a sort of a petty 
female rivalry, and that's why Mary advised George not to let the family in. But Elizabeth is surprising and has her own answer. That is that Mary didn't want to upset the political climate of England at the time, and she mourned the Romanovs immensely. There was no sort of petty rivalry or anything like that involved in the decision. And so ultimately, Elizabeth then invites Penny to ride with her to Christmas, fulfilling Philip's little ask. And so in the end, the Romanovs are properly identified after a snafu in which they thought that they had the wrong body, but they didn't. They all get to be put to rest and the Windsors go on with their marriage. Thanks, Carlin. Um, So I think I've already made my position on this episode kind of clear, but Ivan, to me, this episode was like uh, you go to your grandmother's house for a slice of chocolate cake and you're like, oh, I love chocolate cake. And then you have three bites of the chocolate cake and you're like, this chocolate cake is way too dense. But then your grandmother is like, you have to finish it. And then you finish it and you just have a stomach ache. That was this that was this episode of The Crown to me. Yeah, and and somehow the the recipe for the chocolate cake feels disjointed. It was just so there was just so much thrown at us that I felt like ultimately didn't matter. I I, I don't know. Like all the Russian stuff was stuff that I didn't know about. We're never going to dive deeper into on The Crown at least, and it's just a lot. Yeah, I it, this episode kind of started off being about one thing, but then ultimately kind of became dumbed down to just kind of revisiting some motifs between Elizabeth and Philip that already seemed like a, you know, well-traveled path. So, hooray, you know? Like <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I I don't love that we're starting a lot of these season five discussions with the question of did we even like this episode? But uh, th- this is yet another one where I really have to question like, oh, uh, like what were they really trying to do here? And, and did they even execute on that concept well? They just wanted to pick things that happened in the 90s and they wanted to make episodes about them. I did kind of, I did enjoy this episode. I didn't think it was like the most well put. I, I Yeah, I mean, I just feel like the, Philip and Elizabeth stuff, like you said, it's well-trodden and just, what did, what did they do differently this time? Like, okay, Philip, you have the same problem from the last, what, like 30 years? Yeah, Let's do like a different I, fight. Like when, you know, Philip brought up all those like, you know, very redundant lines about like what he gave up, his career, his autonomy. It's like, wait, really? We're still doing this? Like this? 40 years later, like we're still on the storyline. I, I did like the twist in their relationship this time where Philip is asking Elizabeth to legitimize the relationship that he has with Penny, because that's not something I think we've ever seen him really ask her to do before. It's pretty much just like, I feel like in the past it's been like, you do your own thing, but like, keep it to yourself. Don't let anybody see it. Do what you want to do. But um, Philip makes it clear that this relationship is purely companionship i think he says and in his mind like we're just friends like liz if you could like hang out too like we can all be friends um and i thought that was a new wrinkle in in that part of the story yeah and it seems like elizabeth didn't quite know how to handle that like it's not uh (laughs) friends what are those yeah it's it's a curveball yeah yeah i mean i will say um the acting in this one i feel like this was sort of like imelda stunt it's like time to shine with the the emotion at the end like i will give it that that was nice but yeah i don't know i mean it's also like oh yeah go be friends with someone who's like 30 years i mean i guess in this case what like 25 years younger maybe i mean they say philip is 80 at this point so most people in fairness will be younger than him but like pretty (laughs) like that's pretty younger isn't she like 40 uh i think so yeah yeah i wouldn't imagine she's north of 45 at this point 
So I feel like, yeah, that was the main part of this story. Um, it, it's more about, I think, kind of like where in the past they've had, you know, like they've, they've been, Liz and Philip have been very kind of like at odds in their interests and, and how, how active a part they want to play in society and all that kind of stuff. Like this, I felt like it was more uh, where I feel like, you know, in the past, it's been more of a macro level. This was very like a micro level of like a relationship between two people. And um, they're just, you know, people drift apart, I guess, over time is the is what they're trying to get at in in this episode of The Crown. But it's just so strange to me because it's like I feel like every viewer will know that like they don't get divorced and that's not sort of the narrative that's ever presented about them. And that's also the narrative that hasn't been presented even like what last episode, episode before where Margaret was talking about their relationship. So it's kind of like, what note did we end on? Like, are they good? (laughs) And it's at the same time, it's also like, yeah, who cares? Like, <laughs> n- n- none of oh, this people is... who are watching the, I, you know, the the Elizabeth fans, they care. <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I like again, like I don't know how this advances the the storyline of the Crown further. Ivan, we hear more about Philip's carriage riding, but we never see it in this episode. Should we have gotten an update on? The carriage riding. I mean, we certainly, you know, saw, uh, you know, a little bit about how it had transformed his life. And uh, the, like what we didn't see really is this so-called gang that he and Penny kept uh, <laughs> referring to, like this group of friends that all have the same passions and interests and hang out and have lunch together. Um, like we didn't really get to meet much of this gang, uh, even though that appears to be like a big centerpiece of, uh, you know, Philip's new life and, and what Elizabeth is sort of frustrated and jealous about well was that the um was that the airplane crew because we do see one one um scene kind of of them on the plane philip is going to all these places i think he's going to like i know he said canada and alaska and brazil like he's going around but it seemed like he brought penny on that tour as well right and and i guess there was also the scene where he and penny were having you know the discussion about how the the dna sequencing worked and there was a you know party in the back kind of playing some uh games and i presumably that's the that's the gang that's being referred to here but yeah there's a lot of uh you know telling and not showing around all of this yeah philip it turns out is an expert on dna who knew (laughs) He is Europe's foremost expert on deoxyribonucleic acid. And do you know why? He reads. Because he reads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he reads. And so he knows all about DNA, all those G-cats. He's all over it. Was this surprising to you? Mm, eh, sure. Nothing surprises me anymore. Okay, I'll rephrase. Did it surprise you that Liz has all of England at her disposal? And she's like, I know just the person to ask about this. <laughs> it's Philip. She has to keep him in her life somehow. So you're like, ah, <laughs> time to entertain Philip. He'll give me the information I need. It's weird. It's kind of weird seeing uh, <laughs> seeing the royals talk about DNA. Um, where's Liz's tutor? Why can't Liz's tutor come and teach her about DNA? <laughs> Of the Eaton man. <laughs> yeah. Bring him back. Yep. Yeah, you're right. She didn't finish her schooling. We need to update it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, this is all set against the backdrop of Russia-England relationships from, I think, 1919. And is this the furthest back we've ever gone in a flashback on The Crown? 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. For yeah, we're talking strictly flashbacks rather than just like referenced events. Yeah, this is a uh, a new era for us with a uh, with a brand new cast. Yeah, we see King George. Uh, I think we said the fifth. Pretty sure. Yes. Uh, King George the fifth. Uh, his wife Mary and a young Edward, or I guess young David. <laughs> um, yes, a young, a young Prince of Wales. Yes. Where's Bertie? Was Bertie in that scene? I don't think he no, was. He wasn't. Uh, wait, which and there was no reason for him not to be, right? Unless he was off at Eton or something. Yeah, they really wanted to like maintain some level of historical accuracy that is not really relevant at all. It just is like, where's Birdie? <laughs> we obviously can't implicate child Birdie in the murder of the Russians, so <laughs> oh. he couldn't be here. You know, couldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe because Edward's journal did become like a very, I guess important part in piecing the puzzle of this all together. Uh, maybe he specifically said in his diary entry from that day, Birdie was not with us. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, that reminds me. So Edward's journal is what uh, gave Penny kind of further evidence of her theory of the explanation uh, for why the Romanovs met their fate, right? Yes. And um, then it was Elizabeth that came back and countered with her own theory based on nothing. <laughs> based, based on, on how her, she feels. She had to study those royals. I'm sure she has something she's going off of. She just doesn't have her book. What, it's but, like but when, like, you, when you don't wait, cite your What sources. exactly? Like she's, she's basically putting forward a theory that competes with theories that were established by like scholars and people that had reviewed copious amounts of documents and, and messages and letters. And meanwhile, it sounds like Elizabeth just had a hunch. I also think that, you know, given what happened with um, Elizabeth's cousins that are in the mental, uh, mental institution, we can't really trust these royal accounts of, of But she actually knew places. Queen Mary is the other thing. Like she could have heard it from Queen Mary. Which, even if she was, like, we don't know how credible a source Queen Mary is, but, like, if you had heard that from her, you'd be inclined to believe it. But, I mean, neither neither of the theories paint Queen Mary in a particularly positive light. So why is, like, Elizabeth so adamant about the more documented one being discredited. Well, cause I think it's more sexist. It's basically saying that like, Oh, this was kind of like middle school drama that led to these children being killed as opposed to like, it was a sensitive situation in which she was making sort of more of an intellectual decision about what to do. I definitely see why Elizabeth's would put her in a better light. Yeah, that, that is true. But then at the same time, it also seems extremely unlikely that such a, uh, you know, politically sensitive and important decision would have fallen onto her hands. Well, maybe the other thing is, is like George agreed to it, <laughs> whatever it was, which I think I would want to know what happened there too. Like why would he agree to make this decision if it was just based on something petty? Like exactly. you're just going to please your wife to like, that's just weird to me. I don't know. But, but he's like in this situation, he, Based on Elizabeth's theory, like, uh, you know, King George went ahead and trusted his wife's intuition at the cost of like a dearly beloved first cousin of his. Um, okay, so watching this episode, I think just reminded me of like how intertwined all of these royal families are, because obviously we know that like Elizabeth and Philip are cousins, 
But then, uh, yeah, George is cousins with Nicholas, and it seems like Nicholas's wife is also a relative of Philip. So they kind of like met back up at some point. Um, it's like a it's like a Venn diagram <laughs> of incest. I wouldn't even say it's not like a Venn diagram. It's like kind of like a I don't a even triple know triple like, Venn diagram, a closed <laughs> tree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so everybody has all these different interests in finding out the truth of this story and the relationships. And you know, when one family member orders another's hit, it gets messy. <laughs> Didn't quite do I know, that. I, know, I didn't order it, but like, yeah. like when you're ordering like the death of a family member, that that family <laughs> member is probably both your cousin and your uncle. <laughs> Maybe not a hit, but when you're like, you can save your uncle, you can save your cousin, and you're like, nah, I feel like that's gonna be awkward at at, at Christmas dinner. Was anyone else surprised that they like showed the entire murder too? Because I like thought they were going to cut away at some point because I'm like, oh, like the crown isn't about violence. And then they're just like, no, here it is. You're going to watch this. I was a little surprised by that, um, especially when they went over and they also like murdered the kids. It got very intense. It stabbed them to death too. It was pretty explicit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like did you guys know the story? Like, did you know that's what happened or was that the first time learning that? I vaguely knew the story. The broad strokes. But I had never, I don't think I I'd ever seen. know about the stabbing. Yeah, I had never seen a, uh, like a portrayal in a, like film and TV of this moment, I don't think. You only got to see Anastasia, the 1997 Don Bluth movie in which <laughs> Anastasia got away. <laughs> yeah, and then not only that, then they keep cutting back to like the, the mass grave and the acid and like they just, they were like, we're going all in on this flashback. I I want to know what happened to the dog. We don't find out. I assume the dog died, but what happened to that dog? Do you think George ever asks the parrot what he should do when making <laughs> That's life the plot death twist decisions. is actually the parrot made the decision and then we're blaming Mary. Yeah, okay. So let, well, let's actually talk about that. Like why, for the purposes of telling this story, <laughs> did they decide to put a parrot on King George's shoulder and say nothing about it, knowing that like this individual and this parrot will probably never show up on screen again i don't know the parrot didn't even have any lines do you <laughs> do you think that the uh, the producers had the budget to either cast a young birdie or get a parrot and they, and they went with the parrot i imagine the young maybe the parrot is cheaper and there's no union for parrots there i mean you that kind of makes sense yeah, especially if they don't have get to a young birdie <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, that, that was, was a weird decision. That was so strange. I'm sure that like maybe people who are like closer to the royal family, this is like a wink to them. Um, like people who are familiar with King George, they're like, oh yeah, there's this parrot. Well, and also where where was King George and his family in that scene? Because it didn't look like anywhere as grandiose as Buckingham Palace. Like it looked like a slightly more intimate and confined space. Yeah, I mean they were going hunting, so it was probably it was got it's got to be one of their hunting locations. It's either Balmoral oh. or is San oh, do they okay. go hunting when they go to Sandringham. I feel like they hunt everywhere where there's got a it. Field. So, so they yeah. weren't in London during that scene. It seemed like they were not. No, I don't think so. Because then they have that like the juxtaposition of them shooting birds and the Romanovs dying. Or did I make that up? <sighs> no, no, no. You, you, they they did. They cut back and forth, which. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like season five, more than any other 
is really putting like a lot of the the writer's opinions about the royals on display. Like that that scene was not very generous to you know King George and 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 you know his uh, his generation. Uh, but again, like I don't know what they were trying to say there. Like other than like the obvious you know kind of juxtaposition of like them just you know hunting pheasants while you know uh, some family members of his uh, perish. Like, it felt very heavy-handed and not especially profound. And I feel like I've seen that before, like literally that exact juxtaposition. I feel like it must have been somewhere on this podcast. So, yeah, not only that, we follow um, Mary in this hunting scene as well from the back, from behind. Like, we're following her as she's walking, like, through hunting, looking at the scoreboard that they're keeping for some reason. And then finally, like, at the end of this cold open, she turns around and I found her face really hard to read. I didn't really know. It was hard for me to tell like what she was thinking in that moment, because obviously at that point, it's just an implication that like she ordered the deaths or not ordered the deaths, but like ordered them not to send a ship. But it's like, I guess that's the whole point, right? Like, what is she thinking? And we'll never know. She doesn't show emotions because none of the royal women can do that. Or queens, they can't do that. This isn't a question that I'm going to pose with any kind of like expectation of getting an answer or that we're going to ever learn more about this, but like, why does saving them like necessarily mean that they have to come to England? Couldn't they have just, you know, like rescued them, you know, plucked them out of their perilous situation and then sent them off to some kind of safe Harbor somewhere. Like I understand why it would have been controversial to have them in England, but like why wasn't there a third option where could they do that though that would be like like another country wouldn't be like why are you doing this to us (laughs) during world war one yeah i mean yeah like if they if they drop them off in france you know i'm sure france is gonna be like why are you doing this to us why are you putting us in this position doesn't the uk at this point in time have like 600 commonwealths that they could potentially (laughs) like send these people off to yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll yeah. fit in real well in India. <laughs> I I mean, if you, according to Anastasia, the movie, I they go to Paris. So, you know, <laughs> that's what actually happened, guys. This is all a lie. Okay, but this connects to the present day as well, because in the present day, democracy is back, quote unquote, in Russia. <laughs> um, Yeltsin is in charge. And uh, who knew Yeltsin is a big Anglophile. He loves the British. I I don't know where John Major got this information, but it seems like someone lied to him. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he, I mean, the way that he was behaving, like, on that trip, like, I mean, he he did a lot and said a lot and and projected a lot, but I, I don't think... He necessarily expressed any kind of admiration for for British culture or society. Maybe he just loves them in the sense of he loves to make fun of them, and I guess they just willfully mistranslated that. So, so it, it, it's like the way that I love the British. So, John Major is like Yeltsin would love to come and visit Buckingham Palace. Would you? Would you do that? And so Liz is very much all for it until, and I keep forgetting, like who is her new secretary now? Who, like, who's this person? Is this a secretary? Who's this person? Oh, right. What is his name? Like, is it like Fellows or something? He's like, let me just remind you of a little bit of history that you may have forgotten <laughs> that is not really personal to me, but maybe it's, you know, relevant in this context, I guess. And so 
instead of like, you know, hashing it out before uh, Yeltsin gets to Buckingham Palace, they're like, hey, I know, let's ambush him at dinner <laughs> and force him to take a position. Like, this is good. This is good politics. That's it. I mean, I guess what would have been the alternative for her to decline the invite with no reason? I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's not no reason, right? Like she has a reason. I just feel like inviting someone to your home and then being like, you disrespected my family is a weird move. Well, she can't have opinions anyway. So. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, he arrives. Um, turns out even though they're, uh, you know, they're fighting for democracy, they're all still monarchists, he says. All their stories don't start with once upon a time. They start with in good Tsarist times, which, you know, that's an interesting way to start a story. I like it better. It sounds better. You like it better. Mm-hmm. We, we, we need a modern day equivalent. We, we, we need something like back in pre-woke America. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, Yeltsin promises that he can do everything that he'll do everything that he can to restore the Romanov's dignity, um, which I thought was, a, I've never heard it pronounced that way. I'll just say. They're pronouncing everything weird in this episode, and it's not fun. <laughs> like, you're making it sound worse. I've always heard Romanovs. Maybe that's just very American of me. They, they even uh, over-enunciate the, uh, you know, pronunciation of DNA. Yeah, so it is an English <laughs> problem. Yeah, this is very English of them. But yeah, then they all pose for a group photo, and during the group photo, Yeltsin cannot make it more clear his disdain in Russian for, for like this seemed like a scene from like a weird kind of like comedy where he's saying all these things in Russian. Elizabeth clearly does not understand. She's just learned one line of Russian to say at the dinner to get a small chuckle. <laughs> and are we to presume that like Elizabeth just never gets the correct translation of what he said? Yeah, because then it's like, what did he say? And they're like, oh, he's very happy with what happened here today. <laughs> yeah, he, he says, oh, it's, this room has a chill vibe. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was bizarre. Um, I mean, do you think he does that with all the world leaders or like he just wanted to do that to Elizabeth? I expected her. I almost expected her to like be like, in my spare time, I've learned Russian. I know 10 languages. I know exactly what you said. But then it was like, no. But, but was there no, no one else in that room or in that photo or even in the photography crew that made note of the fact that, you know, this guy is being extremely disrespectful? And it's just like it never got back to Elizabeth. I feel like this is also the first time we've gotten like extended scenes with um, with John Major. I think he got like three or four, three or four audiences with the Queen. Yeah. Um, good John Major episode. Yeah, first time we've really seen him since the premiere. Honestly, like a bit of a bright spot in in this uh, otherwise dreary episode. I will say his again his advice about about uh, <laughs> in inviting Yeltsin to dinner seemed a little bit off. I don't know. I I feel like I could have I could have gotten more from him. Honestly, like he's really just there to kind of move plot along. But I felt like I never learned that much about him. Honestly, at this point, I I wouldn't be mad if the show just started centering on him instead. <laughs> Well, you guys are funny. I find him boring. I want to go back to the drama. There wasn't enough drama here. Uh, the like uh, the the drama down at Downing Place, or just like drama in the show in general. Oh, drama in the show in general. I mean, I don't know. The whole Russian leader sequence to me just kind of felt like a means to an end to get to the Romanov stuff, which was like the connective tissue of the episode. Like, what is Yeltsin going to do? He's never going to show up again. 
he he's not relevant to the show. But, but, but that that that's the thing, though. It's like they they throw away the Elson thing, uh, and you know, really paves the way for the Romanov stuff. But then they throw away the Romanov stuff, the, the and Romanov it just paves the way for all, all of this, like <laughs> the Romanov stuff, um, and that just paves the way for just some like you know. Very, very like low key relationship drama between uh, Liz and F- Philip, and you know some stuff involving Penny that kind of seems shoehorned in. Like I, this episode could couldn't really decide what it wanted to be about. Yeah, I, mean, I think that the problem was I understood the connection with the Romanovs and Penny. It just didn't follow through in the middle. It kind of felt like they're kind of setting up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess they mentioned the carriage driving right away. So I would say the middle part. They kind of lost it, but then they kind of brought it back. Like, I did think that I actually really liked the end of the episode. I thought that was kind of the strongest part. You, you, you like the, uh, specifically the, like, the ending scene of her playing with the corgis? Well, no, I mean, yes, that. But, like, I, the entire <laughs> sequence from after after Philip said, like, can you go be friends with Penny? Like, that whole sequence of them discussing the theories and then Elizabeth, like, trying to hold back tears and all that. Like, I thought that was all really strong. Yeah, okay. So, tell, uh, like, tell me more about what was going on there because... Liz, n- notorious for never shedding a tear. In fact, there was an entire episode just about this topic. All of a sudden is, uh, you know, experiencing some leakage, but I couldn't quite understand why. <laughs> I I feel like, and this kind of goes back to the fact, I assume it was some significant indication to her that like her marriage is not doomed because obviously they're not going to break up, but like emotionally doomed. It kind of felt like that to me. Or or I don't know if it was supposed to be some kind of implication about like her and feeling for her family's legacy or something. But I assume it was about Philip. I don't know. I like the scene. I mean, I didn't care that it didn't make sense. I could probably look up a, a summary of the episode and figure out what that was supposed to be. Okay, see, you're probably right, Carlin. But at the same time, they have done nothing to set this up over the course of this season. Absolutely no. nothing. Like this, this... This sense of like distance and this rift between them was really just kind of dropped in with this episode, not even particularly well developed within the episode itself. And then, you know, all leading up to kind of a flat payoff. I I just wish I understood what happened between like Tobias Menzies and Elizabeth and Olivia Coleman, like their versions of them. And now because they seem pretty happy. Or like, are we to believe that they weren't happy then too? And this is now just coming up? Or did something happen? Well, I even want to go back to like a couple episodes ago when we got that scene and Queen Mother is like uh, telling Liz off for for talking about her bad year. And Philip is the one who kind of steps in for her. Like at that point, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, like their relationship is actually still pretty strong. Like they're still sticking up for each other and like they're in this together. Um, so I feel like even this season... It's kind of a like a divergence from what we've seen. Yeah, it, it's very uneven in a way where I think they could have made that consistent. It is also entirely possible that this episode was originally meant to uh, be inserted into a different part of the order of the season because, like timeline wise, you know, you you have the uh, you know the 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 fall of the Soviet Union in like ninety one. And, you know, by the time Yeltsin makes his way over, uh, you know, to this royal dinner, I, I, it sounds like he's still pretty new to the role. So we're, we're talking about this occurring perhaps sometimes in 92 during Annas Horribilis. Like, what's going on with the timeline here? 
Oh, that is weird. Well, that's kind of like what I was getting at. Yeah. At the end of or a couple episodes ago where it's like, yeah, these moments, like just isolated moments aren't really working for like a narrative story arc. Like it's very hard to follow as opposed to something more linear. Yeah. And, and like, this would also mean that for the entire course of this season so far, six episodes in, we have been like very concentrated in the very beginning of the 1990s, like 91, 92 all the way. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I feel like especially on the heels of last time, like just give me more of the Charles and Diana stuff Like <laughs> at that point. Like, just give me more of it like this at this point. Like we kind of said at the beginning, we've seen it and there's other stuff happening in the royal family. Like, I don't know at this point that we've seen any of, like, William or Harry, really. Like, I just feel like there's so much more happening, and we're still focused on, like, story beats that we've seen. It just seems like they were trying to remember that this was a show about, like, Elizabeth and, like, trying to shoehorn that in when it had naturally sort of progressed to the next generation, like, last season. <laughs> I guess that's the question. Like, is this a story of Elizabeth or is this a story of the crown? Well, it's the story of the crown during, uh, you know, Elizabeth II's reign. And there's a question to be asked about, like, you know, are, you know, her descendants and the people kind of within her circle, you know, perhaps moving the monarchy forward more and, and more responsible for its more intriguing developments than Elizabeth herself? Mm hmm. Elizabeth tries to tell a joke here in this episode. Do we want more jokes from Elizabeth or never it's again? A, it was a good joke. <laughs> I thought Philip's reaction was a little too lukewarm. For someone who complains about his wife, like never showing emotion and like being boring, she tried to be fun and he just rejected it. Like when was the last time Philip told a good joke? True. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the joke was fine. By Elizabeth's standards, it was like... A knee slapper. Come on. But okay, by Elizabeth's standard, sure. It was a good joke. Like by, like how do you think this joke compares to Stinky Minky and that thing about the soul? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'd rather have this joke. But it only works with Philip's reaction of like, what is this? <laughs> like what it this is a joke. She should have told that joke to Yeltsin. <laughs> Just gotten like eviscerated in the photo. It was a better joke. This or this or Billy Joel better joke <laughs> i liked billy joel well billy joel was a joke <laughs> i mean it was funnier than this joke <laughs> it made philip laugh which this joke didn't do so it's like it was unintentional humor <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god okay um trying to think even though like i feel like we've covered a lot here because this episode was kind of all over the place but uh yeah it's uh liz and phil at this point have been married for 47 years and she she asks uh, John Major, uh, why do you think we've lasted so long? And uh, he says, because they never tried to change each other or interfere with each other's souls. And I'm like, John Major, where have you been? <laughs> Liz changes Philip's. Liz tries to change Philip's behavior and uh, interests all the time. Probably to little success nowadays, though. Yeah. Now, now that his behavior is is like significantly less problematic than it was uh you know in decades past like now it's like not even worth trying to like you know correct what what little needs to be fixed all right anything else here to talk about on the crown season five episode six 
Um, I just want to say I'd like to see the reverse where Elizabeth has to, no, where Philip has to hang out with Porchy in order to legitimize their relationship. I just want to know if that was ever on the table. <laughs> Ooh, good question. I wonder. Yeah, I, like I mean, that. there are some overlapping interests around horses, right? Does Philip like horses? Well, I mean, he likes carriages. Yeah, he carriage rides. He can't but carriage ride recent. without a horse. Hmm. See, they have more in common now than they ever did before because they both like things that involve horses. I mean, right, yeah, he also, also played polo. polo before, yeah. Polo, yeah. Oh, true. He's been around horses his whole life. He also had that mechanical horse to practice his polo. <gasps> You're right. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know what he's talking about. They have a lot in common. It's entirely possible the reason Philip doesn't hang out with Porchy is Porchy's personality. Too much like Elizabeth? He doesn't well, we'll to. never know because they, they didn't cast the Porchy for this season. <laughs> they just refer to him as being just off screen. He got the birdie. He he and Birdie got the same treatment. Imagine if they just replaced Porchy with a parrot as well. You know, <laughs> I I bet you there was an actor that was set to play Porchy and then they cut him last minute and but lo and behold, he was about to get another break playing the young Birdie and then they decided to go with a parrot instead. <laughs> oh my god. And then why do you think they had the really prolonged, like, I enjoyed it, but like Elizabeth with the dogs, where she was more animated than I've ever seen her. Yeah. Was that just meant to show like, oh, these are her interests and these are, this is what makes her happy? I guess so. But then where is our Corgi centric episode? I feel like they would have tried to do this by now and they haven't. There's not even been a Corgi storyline. Oh, no. See, that scene was more about Philip. I think because it starts with Philip and then Philip is like looking over at her. So it's more about, I, I don't know. It's more about what he feels. I think when he sees her like actually having fun sometimes, which is like, like wondering Whoa, this if, is weird. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like looking at him and wondering like, well, I don't think he's wondering this in the moment, but like for an audience member thinking like, does he love her anymore? Or like, what is, what, what is, what does he feel? I am honestly a little flabbergasted that we're even having these conversations about like them still being in love and whether they're still into each other. Because again, it's just come completely out of the blue. Like in, in season two, this, this was all like a slow burn, like, you know, chronicling these types of marital issues and it would be an entire season long arc, but here they just kind of drop it into our laps midway through with no buildup and, and mm -hmm. no real satisfying resolution. Maybe there's more to come. Who knows? Probably not, but maybe. Doubt it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say most likely not. Oh, also, I did like the little bit where Penny was talking about like why she would never cheat on her husband. Like the, I think it's, she has a really interesting storyline that like we're not going to get into obviously in the show, but like the idea that like she can't divorce her husband because her daughter is buried on his estate. Yeah, let's talk more about that instead of all this bullshit. Like that's kind of, that's scary. I mean, like, I guess if she's still happy enough with him, like it's whatever, but like, oh my God. I mean, that situation, like it's not surprising to me that they've drifted apart. Like they've just undergone like a very traumatic experience. Like, you know, I'm sure they've handled it very differently. But oh man, you, you can't sell the house because your child is buried there. I mean, in, in fairness, like, and I, I'm not accusing this of being uh, somehow deceptive uh, action by any means, but, you know, if you're Penny and you're trying to, you know, calm down the, the queen who is suddenly suspicious that you're like messing around with her husband, Prince Philip, 
that is kind of a silver bullet reason to throw her away to kind of like be like calm down like nothing going on here you need to chill under underrated moment was um after philip gives his dna and there he's talking to penny about it and she's like you are the key like this is some sort of like national treasure plot (laughs) she was really gassing him up for like the bare minimum okay shall we pivot to this week's kinky crown award please let's hear it Carlin, would you like to go first? I mean, sure. I really struggle with this episode. So, like, I understand if I'm going to lose. That's fine. So, Well, with was... that attitude, you've already lost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, anyway, my line was, it was when, like, Philip was like, your relatives killed my relatives. And she goes, let's not get proprietal about relatives. <laughs> okay, okay. That's good. Um, yeah, mine is just Philip's companionship gang. His what? His companionship gang. Oh, jeez. That she never, that we never got to see. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. This is definitely some bottom of the barrel stuff here. I'm gonna give it to Carlin this week. Yay! Wow, congrats, Carlin. I almost nominated um, Yelton saying that Liz should get a stick up her ass, but he was referring to murdering her, so it doesn't seem very kinky. <laughs> All right, so that's all we got here this week for this episode of The Crown. Next week, we'll be diving into The Crown Season 5, Episode 7, No Woman's Land, as BBC's uh, Martin Bashir goes to great lengths to secure an interview with Diana. The lonely princess finds purpose and warmth in a London hospital. Martin, Bash- We've seen Martin Bashir before, right? He was in a couple episodes ago. Did he do the, did he do the Charles interview? Or was that no? That was somebody no, else. No, that was someone else. There's a there's a weird amount of interviews going on. There was a book, and I guess now there is a TV interview. I think those are two separate guys. Got it. Um, well, regardless, that is what we will be diving into next week. In the meantime, Ivan, if people want to catch up with you on the Crown, the Royal Family, uh, where can they do that? Um, on the uh, Russian social media network VK. Carlin, what about you? Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts or comments about the crown is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And that's all we got for you this week. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time. And God save the queen. God, God save, save the, the queen. The queen.